Good morning, campers. Good morning, campers. Today's activities include beating up a giant robot and not getting any credit for it. Lunch today will be sucked into the unending void of your stomach. And and to end the night, <laughs> we will be getting the girl. Aww. So put on your sunscreen, bug spray, and camp uniform as we dive into the greatest story never told. That's the way you have to pronounce it. Yes, that... Oh, yeah. Is that the way you have to pronounce it? It's Justice the way you League. have to pronounce it. <laughs> Justice League Unlimited, the greatest story never told. And the real irony is that we're doing this on Easter as well, so... Yes. <laughs> Booster Gold is risen. <laughs> he... Listen, when, when I get into it, he will rise. <laughs> Mariska Hargitay, Sarah. Mariska Hargitay, Sam. I am your camp counselor, Sam, an ex-pro wrestler in training and current drag, not drag wrestler manager, I keep forgetting to change that, pro bodybuilder in training, yay, fucking up already. I'm camp counselor, Sarah, I'm a sexy scientist who, of course, wears heels in the lab, doesn't everybody? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. We are not here to be the definitive experts on it. But rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. So here we are. Here we are. An episode I have been looking forward to for months. Yeah, you've had this one planned deep in the schedule. Deep in the schedule. I. So. Let's put it this way You've never seen any of the Justice League cartoon, have you? None of them. Nope. I um, I think I think I may have seen like an episode or two of Batman the Animated Series. I haven't seen Mask of the Phantasm or anything. That's as close as I've gotten. Okay, so Batman the Animated Series is genuinely regarded as one of the greatest animated series of all time. It it pulled off this really miraculous feat of making a cartoon that was child-friendly, adult-accessible, coming off the heels of the Tim Burton Batman films. So it could be very serious, very down-to-earth, very like, you know, here's Bruce wrestling with his demons. But then it could also take these deep dives into DC Comics continuity of mm -hmm. like... Uh, Batman today is teaming up with Jason Blood. Who's Jason Blood? Why, he's a guy that betrayed King Arthur way back in the medieval period, and he's been cursed by Merlin to share his body with the demon Etrigan. And it's like, I I'm was, sorry, I was what? really hoping that Jason Blood was going to be uh, Jason Todd's goth name. No, no, no. J Jason Todd, who is the second Robin... And was murdered by uh, the Joker. No, Jason Todd's goth name is just Red Hood, and that's his whole deal. He's just Red Hood. I'm I'm a murder boy. It's not I a use guns. Yeah, he's all like, "Fuck you, Batman! I use guns pew, 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 and I murder people." And the rest of the Bat family is constantly like, "No, don't, please stop." Well, we can't stop him. 
So there's that. Yeah, the Batman animated series is genuinely very good. It's very well acted. It's very well written. Uh, a lot of episodes with just these in incredibly deep stories to it of like, wow, I didn't think you could pull off something like this in 20 minutes. And not mm -hmm. only did you do it, you did better than most of the movies have. So Batman was so insanely popular that they decided to do a sort of a pseudo spin-off series about Superman also set uh, made during the nineties where they got Tim Daly to voice Superman, you know, uh, Tyne Daly's brother of Cagney and Lacey fame. Yeah. He's like, he's like and, one of those nineties guys you see in sitcoms, right? Yeah. Cause he was in uh, wings, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. picturing, like, a vaguely... Like, the most generic sitcom man I can picture is Tim Daly. Uh, I think Tim Daly is just a touch more handsome than that. Uh-huh. Because, like, he, he went on to be in a whole bunch of other things. Well, all I've got for gifts are just, like, older versions of him, but... He was in private practice. Yes, that's right. He was in private practice. There you go. I sent you a gif. And, um, yeah, yeah. The, the Superman animated series was also a hit. And then with Batman, they spun off and they did Batman Beyond, which was not as big a hit, but it certainly, it changed a lot of things in terms of, like, how we can write these stories. And Warner Brothers was just like, let's keep this train going right we, we're making boku bucks from toys and sales and stuff and they had great writers on like Dwayne mcduffie bruce tim and these these are all comic names but they're they're important people in the world of comics right so you're legitimately getting the comic book writers to move over to tv to tell these stories and in much the same way that x-men the animated series it, worked is that um they would recycle a lot of the old plots from the comics and then just slightly adapt them to the television format so like x-men the animated series ran basically every single chris, chris claremont plot in it at some point and with this it's it's very much the same kind of thing it's like ah okay you know we have to have a plot involving dark side and we have to have a plot involving you know, Lex Luthor and the Joker teaming up. And who's this? It's Solomon Grundy. And what's a Green Lantern? Here's a Green Lantern. Blah, 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 blah. On and on and on. Mm -hmm. So the the Justice League cartoon came out and it did really well as well, right? I talked about it last time that there was this core seven characters. Hawk Girl, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman. Green Lantern, who they specifically chose Jon Stewart, who is the Black mm -hmm. Green Lantern as opposed to the original Hal Jordan. I think it's a great idea because, hey, why not? More diversity. Martian Manhunter and The Flash, and I believe it is the Barry Allen Flash, not the Wally West Flash, which does make sense to comic nerds. You do not need to know the difference right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get into the weeds with that one because Flash continuity is... One of those things that's just a touch too dense, even for me. <laughs> People who love The Flash 
love the Flash, but because they love the Flash, they love one specific Flash, generally. Mm-hmm. And talking from person to person, they'll be like, no, it's it's Bart. No, it's Barry. No, it's Wally. No, it's Jay. You're just like, oh, they're all just fast boys. Come on. <laughs> fast boys. So... We get to Justice League Unlimited, which came out after the first two seasons of Justice League. And in Justice League, by the end of the first two seasons, the Justice League core characters said the the villains we're facing, the fights we're doing, they're getting bigger and bigger. And not so much out of our control, but what if we really expand the league in order to deal with multiple threats at once, really take care of not just the world, but all kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, smart idea. And so we, we go into Justice League Unlimited now with this massively expanded cast of characters who we'll talk about over the course of the episode, because boy, howdy, did I write down all of the cameos (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and some of them you'll be you you will be delighted by. I guarantee you'll just be like, "Oh, that's that's so dope." And episode seven of the first season of Justice League Unlimited. It's called "The Greatest Story Never Told," and it focuses on one Booster Gold. Who's Booster Gold? You ready for a deep dive? Okay, so. Here's what I know about Booster Gold. I only know of Booster Gold from yes. you loving him. Uh, you proclaiming him one of your favorite himbos, which is honestly like, those are some fighting odds to get onto Sam's list of himbos. Um, he, what I know from this episode is he is from the future and he came back. He tells people it's to protect the future, his present. But in actuality, it's because he wants to become rich and famous. Is that right? You have it exactly. Okay. So, Booster Gold is generally considered to be the first brand new superhero to come out post-crisis. Now, what does post-crisis mean? Okay. So up until about 1986, 1987, every DC Comics published was both canon and sort of not canon at the same time. This gets real fucky because... Okay, is this about, like, alternate universes? Yeah, because what what happened was that as time went on, remember when we talked about with X-Men, the golden era, silver era, bronze era kind of stuff with comics. Mm -hmm. The the golden era is the 1940s into the 50s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And then silver is 50s, 60s, up into the 70s. And then bronze is 70s, 80s, early 90s. 90s becomes sort of the dark times for a while. Mm Mm-hmm like the medieval age of comics because we we did some weird stuff but what happened with DC that Marvel was different from because we're generally comparing DC and Marvel right they're the two giants of comics uh, publishing yeah Marvel was trying to create a sort of unified story they were they were 
you know, like what happens one week will affect what happens the next week. If Sue Storm gets pregnant, okay, we're going to keep writing that she is indeed pregnant and that she will have the child at some point. Is this part of the, they said it in real cities thing too, they're trying to be more realistic? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're on that point. With DC, their, their means of attracting viewership was very much based during, during part of the Golden Age into the Silver Age on the idea that the cover should be the thing that grabs somebody's attention in order for them to pick up the book to read what this cover is about. Mm-hmm. So this is why we had this glut of... Oh no, Superman and a gorilla have swapped bodies. Find out what happens inside. Or (laughs) Batman now has to wear a zebra print Batman outfit. But why? Find out inside. Mm -hmm. And it would just be these like wild as fuck covers going, something weird is happening here. Do you want to know more? Read our comic. And so the problem comes that, as with the medium, the, the, when you start getting new writers in who come in and they're fans of the old, of the comics and they're starting to write it their way, they're changing the landscape. They're, they're adjusting things. And what had started happening, you know, in the 60s going into the 70s and then the 80s was that they were starting to treat these stories like, how we would assume that they would be treated now, right? What happens one week affects the next week. Batman learns and he grows. He forms romantic relationships and and all kinds of stuff. But the Yeah, what we com- have nowadays in terms of, like, databases keeping track of every person, every mention, every story, timelines, things like that. You know, yeah. they still existed, but they weren't as accessible to everybody. And for the most part, they were people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it would have to be, you would have to have a person working who would be like, oh, yeah, you can't say that, um, uh, I don't know, uh, Wonder Woman's best friend so-and-so is Jewish because we established that her parents are Catholic, Right? Exactly. And if that this, is person's... The, this is the role that Ian Levine played in Doctor Who. Yeah, this this is if that person isn't there, it creates these these storytelling paradoxes. But mm-hmm. one of the problems that DC had was that hey, characters like Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman were so popular, we'd shove them into all these different titles. Sometimes to contradictory ends. Yeah. So the Ju- the Justice Society of America is a team of heroes that formed during World War II and fought Nazis and stuff. And here's Batman and Superman joining them to fight Nazis and stuff. Problem is, it's now 1977, and Batman clearly isn't a very old person not fighting Nazis anymore. Mm-hmm. How do we solve this problem? So this idea was put forth called Crisis on Infinite Earths. The idea being, and this is, this is probably one of the very early examples of uh, 
a very accessible multiverse theory. DC put out this idea that every story that has ever happened in DC Comics has happened. Not on the same Earth, though. They've happened in multiverses, right? So you have this sprawlingly infinite universe. And it's partially writers and partially editorial coming together and saying, we need to clean up our continuity. We just need to make it nice and tight so that we can start, not not from scratch, but we need to start from a point where we can say, now continuity is nice and solid going forward. And we don't have to worry about contradictions of Batman is both 70 years old and 30 years old. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it happens, it blows up the multiverse. There's only one Earth left at the end of it. And there's a couple of refugees from the multiverse who make their way into the main, into the one Earth, like Power Girl, or I think Psycho Pirate might be one. Don't even worry about Psycho Pirate. That's a whole other thing. Power Girl is an alternate universe version of Supergirl. That's how they fix yeah, that. Yeah, your whole speech problem. right now is filled with blue hyperlinks that I am just running past, not letting my eyes settle on them. Yeah. And, and so this was an effort to clean up everything, make make stories a little tighter to be able to keep telling going forward. And so they killed they killed a lot of heroes. They killed a lot of villains. They they really did a bit of a board sweep and resetting of figures. And then Dan Jurgens, a writer and artist who's still working today, in 1988. Oh, so smooth. Uh, He came forward and he's like, cool, I want to write this character. And so the idea sprang from Olympic gold medalists. Okay. He loved he loved the idea that at the time, 1988, there were all these Olympic gold medalists who not only were winning gold medals in the Olympics, but then they were turning it from Olympic gold into product placement gold. Mm-hmm. Right? All of a sudden, you've got cereal with a gymnast on it, or I can buy these shoes worn by this sprinter, or so-and-so uses this toothpaste, right? All, all this kind of yeah. stuff. So you've now these athletes are becoming celebrities in their own right just by being able to slap their name, their face onto a box of shreddies or whatever. And Dan Jurgens was fascinated by this idea. He's like, cool. Well, if, if, if Olympic athletes can do this, why wouldn't there be a superhero who does this? And so he came up with the idea of booster gold. Booster Gold is um, is one of those characters that has evolved over time. His name, his real name, is Michael John Carter. Yep, on the nose. I know. Okay. <laughs> and he was born in 25th century Gotham City. Later, it was retconned to 25th century somewhere in Canada. Uh huh. So technically, in one in the new Fifty Foot Two version of it, Booster Gold is Canadian. So yay, Canadian content! <laughs> uh, we'll take what we can get. We'll take it. Uh, considering Canada is evil in the DC universe as well, so you know, what what are we gonna do? 
Um, he became uh, an all-star quarterback for the Gotham Knights. Again, on the nose. Like they, they sure yeah. do love this. The the big football team. Like if Gotham legitimately was a city, this is their NFL team, the Gotham Knights. And he was he was doing great. He he made money, but then he started putting his money into bad things and he lost a lot of money. So what he decided to do was he decided to fix his own games and bet on them. And he was caught out and immediately expelled from the sport. So now you've got a dude who was riding high on fame and money. He now has neither. His family has disowned him because he did some pretty immoral stuff. And he ends up working as a security guard slash janitor at a superhero museum. Wait, is he a superhero and at that... this point? No. Or is he he's... just a good football player? Okay. He's just an ex-football player. That's where he gets the idea, hey, I'm working at a superhero museum. I'm in the future. One of these things here is a time travel machine. I'm going to steal a <laughs> bunch of bits and pieces from all these superhero stuff, as well as one of the security droids that's floating around here, a little gold thing called Skeets. Upload oh, okay, Skeets. Okay. Upload Skeets with all news knowledge since yeah you know, the, the the time that I'm going to travel back to 1988 yeah. going forward I'm going to go back in time I'm going to show up and because I know all the stuff that's going to happen I'm going to be able to stop the robberies and stuff before they even happen and then people will love me and then I'll get money and accolades and yada 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 so he does that he goes back in time. He steals uh, a Legion flight ring, which allows him to fly, gives him a small force field. His goggles are like cyber goggles. He had a, a time sphere, which is a time machine. It broke when he got back to 1988. So now he's stuck there. So mm -hmm. all he's got is his uh, little sort of uh, security droid, Skeets, who's like kind of like his best friend, but also his... Uh, right-hand man, his LeFou to his Gaston, mm. if you will. And that's what he does. He sets himself up. He'll show up in places and be like, hey, Batman, don't worry. I'm stopping these guys for you. Pow, pow, pow. Yep. Hey, news crews. It's me, Booster Gold, the best new superhero around. You guys love me, don't you? And guess how all the rest of the superheroes in the DC universe felt about him? I mean, he sounds pretty awful. He, he is awful to begin with. He, over the course of his series, and then when he gets picked up to be in Justice League and Justice League International, he, he learns to become a better person because he does realize, oh, just having knowledge of the future isn't really that great because I'm also technically changing the future every time I do it. And on top of it, everybody hates me. Huh. Maybe being a self-absorbed prick isn't working out for me. And so when he, when he joins the Justice League and Justice League International, that's where he meets Ted Kord, the second Blue Beetle, and they become best friends. And when I say best friends, boy howdy, do I mean, like... There's a good chance these boys are 
spooning together and <laughs> maybe doing other stuff. There's a lot, a lot of homoerotic uh, subtext between the two of them. But mm-hmm. Booster Gold also comes from a future where uh, you know, gay rates are just normal. No, nobody really talks about gay straight and whatnot. And Ted Cord just seems like a nice dude. He's he's a bit of a schlub, but he's a nice dude. He's a science boy who wants to be a superhero, and everybody's kind of like, eh, Ted. Okay, take a back seat, buddy. And yeah, slowly over time, he he develops into a more well-rounded person. He realizes, you know, like, oh, you know, Superman sacrificed himself for the world, blah, 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 blah. And unfortunately, as what happens with a lot of written characters is that one writer doesn't stay on the character for forever. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, you'll get a writer on who's just like, I don't like where he is right now. What if I just turn back the clock and stick him back into a previous thing? State. Yep. So what starts happening is that uh, a whole bunch of big crossovers happen every once in a while. And one of them, uh, a crossover called Millennium, uh, a guy, another guy from the future comes back and he's like, guys, we have to protect a booster gold at all costs. He's so important to the future. Ah, and then he dies and nobody finds out why he's <laughs> important to the future, of course. But then they go, oh God, maybe booster's important. And then in the 2000s, an event called Infinite Crisis happens, not to be confused with Crisis on Infinite Earths. They like to use Infinite and Crisis a lot, DC. They really do. Uh, They had uh, Crisis on Infinite Dark Earths or something a few years ago. It was fucking stupid. Uh, In this, at the end of it, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman all basically, quote-unquote, disappear. And from that point, every title that had been going on at DC jumps forward one year. Okay. Every title. So Batman, Superman, Catwoman, like the Catwoman title starts up with her giving birth. And it's like, what? Hold on. Who's the father? What's happening? And part of the point of this jumping ahead one year was for writers to take all of these characters in brand new directions, like really Uh drop people into the middle of a storyline and say over the course of the next like year or so we're going to flesh out why this person is in this place now so for example green arrow was now uh mayor of star city suddenly and uh shadow pact emerges from a giant bubble of blood that had surrounded a small city in the middle of nowhere just a whole bunch of weird shit Basically to to flex creative muscles. But what a bunch of really great writers decided was that what we're going to do is we're going to do a series that will explain what happened in this missing year to the rest of the readers. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus on all of these minor characters. We're going to call the series 52 and it will be Uh one issue every week for a year. A nearly impossible task to pull off. One issue every week for a year. And that's why they had like four writers and 15 artists yeah. and, and so on. But they're all working in concert to create a giant story. 52 is honestly one of the 
best things that DC has ever put out. It's It really is incredible. It's so well written. And you get to see all these really fun minor characters suddenly get in the spotlight. And so one of the minor characters is Booster Gold. What happens in it is at the beginning of his tenure, now that Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are gone, he's back. He's trying to make himself the number one superhero, but he's taking a fuck ton of corporate sponsorships. He's got their logos plastered all over his superhero suit and he looks like shit it's great and again <laughs> he looks everybody... like a nascar driver yeah he looks like a nascar driver <laughs> that is exactly it and everybody just keeps calling him out they're like you son of a bitch some of our greatest people are dead and you're here taking money and he's like their deaths taught me that life is short and i want to live well so they're like you motherfucker when all of a sudden this new superhero pops up called Supernova and Supernova is doing shit like getting there ahead of Booster Gold, saving people en masse, doing things without collateral damage and Booster is ripped torn to shit. He's just like, motherfucker, this guy is one-upping me everywhere. He's he's better than me. And, and meanwhile, Skeets is starting to go on the fritz. Oh no! So this is, this is over the course of a year. Uh, something's really weird with Skeets. He starts doing like the, you know, the, uh, sure, I'll help you, Booster. Help you die. <laughs> Off to the side kind of thing. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong with Skeets? I, I may have some details wrong, but just bear with. Okay. A, another time traveler from the future shows up to Booster Gold. A guy called Rip Hunter, who is a... He's he's like this time keeper. He's one of those dudes that's like, I'm going to make sure that the universe stays on track. That no time travelers go back and fuck around with time. Right? Okay. And he comes to Booster Gold and he says, You have to come with me because you are the greatest hero ever. And Booster Gold's like, finally, somebody recognizes it. And Rip Hunter takes him off. And they go on a bunch of whirlwind adventures. Booster Gold then explodes at one point, but then it turns out it wasn't an explosion. Uh, he was time-traveled to the future. It turns out this supernova guy is actually Booster Gold, having time-traveled back on his own timeline to save all those people along the way. Uh-huh. Uh Rip Hunter turns out to be Booster Gold's son from the future who has been mentored by Booster Gold. So it becomes a bootstraps paradox of where did all this time travel knowledge come from? Who the fuck knows? Booster taught it to his son who taught it to Booster Gold. And then 52 culminates with it turning out that Skeets has been harboring Mr. Mind inside of him. Now, Mr. Mind is an adorable caterpillar. I'm not joking. He's an adorable... Wait, wait. I think I've yeah. seen Mr. Mind before. Isn't he like the greatest war criminal in the DC universe? Uh-huh. Oh my... Yeah, he looks like an adorable little bookworm, but he's secretly like one of the worst character. He He's canonically one of the worst characters in the entire universe. So he's this itty-bitty adorable psychic caterpillar with a genius-level intellect. Uh, and what he generally tends to do is he'll like mind control people to doing crimes for him. I mean, this was where he's, he's a Shazam villain. Yeah. But, I believe like they put him on trial, like the Nuremberg trials, and then they put him on a tiny electric chair. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, they they absolutely do. Uh, he he did have a cameo at the end of the first Shazam movie where he talked to Mark uh-huh. Strong, and it was just like Mark Strong, you're talking to an adorable caterpillar. You sure? <laughs> yeah, he looks like he looks like that toy glowworm that lights up. Yeah, exactly. So it turns out that Mr. Mind had crawled into Skeets and has been using Skeets as a cocoon. And by traveling back and forth through time, he's been absorbing chronal energy. And at the end of 52, he emerges from his cocoon as a giant. And when I say giant, I don't mean like, ooh, he's as big as a house. Ooh, he's as big as a sky. I mean, like, he is bigger than planet Earth because he (laughs) begins devouring universes the multiverse has been reborn at the end of infinite crisis and he begins devouring universes and it's up to booster gold to stop an enormous evil butterfly from destroying the multiverse and he does (laughs) this does sound like a homophobic metaphor (laughs) (laughs) and it's over the course of this series that booster really comes to understand like you know, it isn't about glory, it isn't about fame, and it's not about fortune. It's genuinely, people's lives are on the line. He's mm-hmm. he's a nice guy. He doesn't always do the best things, but when push comes to shove, he'll always pick the right decision. Uh-huh. He, it's just that, that slightly selfish streak that's still in him that he works on constantly of like, yeah, I could be rich and famous, but... Also, I mean, he did see his best friend get killed on TV. Like, Ted Cord got shot by Maxwell Lord, who then got his neck snapped on TV by Wonder Woman. It was great. Wonder <laughs> Woman kills. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And uh, then Booster Gold went on to have his own ongoing series where he travels through time and does cool stuff. At one point, he did honestly try to save Barbara Gordon from being shot by Joker. And mm-hmm. every time he every time he went back, he got the shit kicked out of him by the Joker and his goons, uh-huh. and it would it would happen over and over again. And due to the time travel paradoxes, like he'd always just go back. Okay, if I go back five minutes earlier, I can stop him. If I go back five minutes earlier, I can stop him. So the day for Joker went. Huh? This guy kept showing up. I kept beating the shit out of him, and then. <laughs> I I shot and maybe sexually assaulted uh, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. Mm-hmm. And this is this is really important, not because it's a funny joke of having him getting the shit beat out of him, but because at the end of that story in his ongoing series, he finds out that Batman had the photos that Joker took every single time he beat the shit out of Booster Gold, and he's been holding on to them for years. Batman has always known that Booster Gold is a good person. He's just known that, hey, I need to push you to be a better person. And that's why Batman is always an asshole to Booster Gold. Not because he wants to be an asshole to someone, but rather because I see who you can be and I'm going to help you get there just in my Batman asshole way. I love (laughs) Booster Gold. He shows up in some of the wildest stuff. He does time travel shenanigans. He is a himbo because he is big, he is nice, and he is stupid. <laughs> but every once in a while, he figures it out. Like, he, he tries to, to 
get into this heavily fortified palace at one point. And he's like, ah, oh, I can't get past these guards and these security measures. And then he thinks to himself, like, wait, hold on a second. All these guards and security measures weren't here like a hundred years ago. So he time travels a hundred years ago, moves himself forward five feet, time travels a hundred years again into the future. And then he's like, now I'm inside. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, there's just wonderful writing happening with him. And we are, uh, James Gunn has recently announced that he is making a booster gold TV show in his new DC going mm-hmm. forward kind of stuff. Whatever James Gunn so, yeah. wants, James Gunn gets sort of way. <laughs> it kind of is. But I'm totally cool with it. Bring me Booster Gold. <laughs> and maybe he'll have kisses with Ted Cord. One can Ooh. hope. Ooh. But yeah, who knows what's going to happen in the future with Booster Gold. Strange things. Strange things. But so time does that traveling... bring us up to the events of the episode? So all you really need to know for the episode then is that, uh-huh. yeah, Booster Gold comes from the future to the past where he seeks fame and glory. But then he also learns to be a better person along the way. So uh, I was telling you before this episode started that I was looking up synopses. And uh, and I saw one that said that this is the Tom Stoppard of Justice League episodes. And uh, and that kind of like opened this episode up to me because I I watched it and then I watched it again immediately afterwards. And I was like, this is this is OK, but I don't really get what Sam sees in it. Honestly, it seems like a pretty average cartoon episode to me. And then realizing, oh, we are seeing the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern episode. That made so much sense to me. That is exactly it. The fact that the rest of the Justice League spends the entire episode fighting an evil wizard and meanwhile, Booster Gold's saying, like, no, the universe is at stake over here, guys. And they're like, shut up, Booster. We've got important things to do. So is this episode with Mordrew, do we see the other parts of it in other stories? Or is it all off screen? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> it's all off screen. <laughs> which makes... Which makes every single thing that happens with Mordrew funnier and funnier because it's left to your imagination. Yeah, we're going to get to it, but there's one moment. There's one <laughs> moment where I was like, what the fuck is happening in this show? And that's exactly it. Like, it really is supposed to be, I have no idea what's happening with the rest of the Justice League because this episode refuses to tell me. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's a pretty confident move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so shall we get so shall into we the get episode into... itself? Yeah, we we shall. Okay. So we open with the smoking corpse of the Iron Giant. It could be a giant Cyberman, but I well... saw it and I was like, why did they murder the Iron Giant? <laughs> Superman. 
Exactly. <laughs> uh, Booster Gold is there, and uh, his little friend Skeet, who is just a- adorable, and I immediately clocked this as Billy West. Uh, you said to check out the cast afterwards, and I did, because I was like, why are you th- Why do they have Billy West in this super, super minor role? And I was like, oh, it's because this in this cast, Billy West is not the biggest star, unlike in every other animated show. Yeah, so Booster Gold here is being voiced by Tom Everett Scott. Yeah, uh, he does that thing. That thing that you do, perhaps. And uh, other voice actors in this episode, uh, Lori Loughlin and... Uh, Convicted criminal Lori Loughlin? Now that's camp. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jeremy Piven as well. Yeah, I didn't realize that until much later. Uh, a little kid comes up to him and asks yeah, it... for his autograph. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, Booster Gold gladly signs it, and then the kid says, I thought you were Green Lantern. I love this goddamn joke so much. (laughs) It's so stupid. As he points out, if he was Green Lantern, wouldn't he be wearing green? (laughs) It happens several times throughout the episode that someone will think he is Green Lantern. And he is very clearly not, which is partially why, like, I'm going to get a booster goal tattoo. I like, I've Uh had this planned for years, but part of me also wants to write around it. Thank you, Green Lantern in in booster (laughs) gold colors so that people can be like, (laughs) people can look at it and say, why does it say thank you, Green Lantern? And said, it's a booster gold tattoo. Uh Uh-huh. And... I read a long time ago that uh, apparently Lawrence Fishburne and Samuel L. Jackson get um, confused with each other so often that whenever somebody, like, for instance, comes up to Lawrence Fishburne and says, I loved you in Jurassic Park, he just signs the autograph as Samuel L. Jackson and moves on. <laughs> oh, that's cute. And they both that's- do this. Yeah, that's sweet. Like, uh, like Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah Wood. Exactly. Oh, so sweet. Speaking of almost mistaken identity, this episode was originally not going to be about Booster Gold. It was, was going it to be, be about somebody a- else in the same setup. Yeah, yeah. It was going to be Firestorm, and uh, Firestorm is. Uh, he's he's a weak oh uh, we talked about this when we talked about Victor Garber Victor Garber plays one half of Firestorm in Legends of Tomorrow and it's two people sharing one body who can basically do alchemy right they can turn things from one thing into another but they had to quickly change gears to Booster Gold because Firestorm was killed in the comics before this character uh, this episode came out so they're like well that seems inconsiderate yeah, well, not doing that anymore. Moving on. Uh, we then see Booster Gold in this, like... It looks like there's a number of satellites orbiting the Earth at all times that superheroes sort of monitor the situation from. Yep. It's called the Watchtower. It seems like it's a lot of work. 
if you're like, there are situations on Earth every time, but there's like a transporter beam, whatever. Uh, and they are walking, <laughs> Booster Gold is walking along with somebody who I was like, oh yeah, that's like a standard alien dude. He looks like a Scooby-Doo villain or whatever. And then his voice comes out and I was like, hi, I'm twirling my hair at the screen. <laughs> So that's Martian Manhunter, Jean Jones. Yes, that's as... the thing. They call him Jean, and I was like, is this Jean? Like, like his name is French? He's like Jean-Luc Picard. No, it's J apostrophe O-N-Z. Yes. Yeah, and he is the last surviving Martian. They were all wiped out uh, like a thousand years ago by an invasion of another species. It's 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 a whole thing. He's got he is like Superman, but kind of backwards in that he lived his whole life and then watched his planet die and then came to Earth. And now he's the only one of his kind. He he feels separate from humanity, which is why he works on the watchtower. Like in in the first two seasons, he's very much on the ground trying to take care of people. But by this point in the show, he's gone. No, I need to remove myself from humanity. I I need time to think. And so he becomes the point man, the the man in the chair, if you will. Yeah, I'm tired of this uh, world. These people, these problems. Oh, exactly. That is exactly it. Except more like, oh, pity me kind of way. Instead of, <laughs> pity a, the gelf. Uh, yeah, pity the gelf. Oh, Jesus. I just dropped my microphone. Sorry. Can you still hear me? Yes, I, I can still hear you. And so can the people at home. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, Booster Gold is complaining to Jean that he doesn't get any good jobs and Martian Manhunter is like, yeah, it's because you want them. The problem is, if you didn't want them, then you would get them, but you keep seeking fame and glory. Uh, then an alarm goes off and there's some sort of crisis down on Earth and they have to dispatch some guys and Booster Gold's like, yeah, this is my chance. And uh, he dispatches... Uh, Jean dispatches a ton of people. Uh, I do not recognize a single solitary name. And then at the end, he's like, fine, Booster, you can go too. And they all transport down to Earth. All right, let me give you the rundown of these characters super quick. Oh, boy. Hawk, yeah, Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove are brothers, Don and uh, Hank Hall. And they were basically tapped on the shoulder by cosmic forces uh, of... Uh, war and peace and they said you shall become our avatars on earth go out and do stuff be nice Hank oh, is very okay. much yeah Hank goes out and he punches people and almost always kills them and Dove is like no we should be friends stop, <laughs> stop fighting honestly it's always a thing of why is Dove even here he sucks and then he dies later <laughs> and is replaced by another Dove okay. who is also Dawn but D-A-W-N, it's a girl. <laughs> uh, then there's like Fire and Ice. Yeah, Fire and Ice, who is the green girl and the blue girl, blue and white girl. And uh, green girl, she is a Brazilian superhero who can breathe fire and turn herself basically into a fire lady. Ice is a Viking who was fro unfrozen and who has the ability to control 
ice. Hooray. They're also very heavily sapphic coated. Okay. They're always together. Always together. Stargirl and Stripe. Uh, Stargirl is like the fifth person to wield the cosmic staff. And Stripe is her stepdad who runs around in a giant mech suit protecting her. She is a teenager (laughs) with diabetes who goes out and fights crime. Uh, Vigilante. This is all sounding more Captain Planet by the minute. (laughs) It's, It's wild. Uh, she has a TV show. It's on Amazon Prime, just called Stargirl. It's pretty great. Uh, Luke Wilson's in it. I thought it was uh, an adaptation of the Jerry Spinelli book. I did not realize no. it was an no. actual superhero show. Uh, that's, I think, the Disney version of Stargirl. Okay. I don't know how they're getting away with both being called Stargirl, but yeah. Then there's Vigilante. Uh, his whole shtick is that he is like a cowboy, but in modern times. Wait, he's aren't they by Nathan all Fillion. vigilantes? Yeah, yeah. He's voiced by Nathan Fillion. That's all you need to know. Okay. Uh, Shine- Shining Knight, who is canonically one of DC's first trans superheroes. Sweet. It, it, it is a trans man. Uh, who has traveled from the Camelot times with his Pegasus, and he does battle with a sword, and uh, uh, Sir Justin. Uh, then uh, Aztec, who is genetically the perfect man, no joke, like some through some Aztec science and mysticism, uh, he was in a great big egg, and then he hatched, and he's the perfect man in modern time. I, it's silly, it's weird, but it's comics. Uh, okay. Huntress, who is voiced by Amy Acker. She, it depends on which version of Huntress this is. This is not. This is probably not the Justice Society Huntress, who is the daughter of Catwoman and Batman. This is probably Helena Bertinelli, who is the daughter of one of Batman's. Um, Foes, one of those gangster foes. She was played by Mary Elizabeth in, Winstead. Uh, yeah, I was about to say she's in Birds of Prey. Yeah, she's the crossbow killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Vibe, who? Okay. Um, vibe, <laughs> Vibe has vibing powers. <laughs> he can create vibrations. He can sense multiverse things and like, oh, you know, something strange in the atmosphere and stuff like that. And he can cause vibrations and things. But he's also one of those things of like editorial wants us to make something hip and and cool for the kids. What's hip and cool right now? Breakdancing. Yeah, he's a (laughs) breakdancing superhero. Cool. Uh, Dr. Light. This is the heroic Dr. Light. And not the villain who was a horrible rapist, Dr. Light. She's got light powers. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole thing about Dr. Light. Identity Crisis, it's a famous slash infamous miniseries that DC put out, which was like uh, seven issues of character assassination for a whole bunch of characters. And most people choose to ignore it. Because some of the shit that happens in it is frankly awful. It turns out like half the Justice League has been systematically wiping out the memories of various villains because it's convenient. Huh. Yeah. 
yeah, there's a lot of uh, real horrible stuff that happens in there. And uh, that's that's it for the people on the station when he gets teleported down. Okay, so when they get down there, uh, he, the how he was so excited to be included uh, kind of immediately cut out at the knees because he and Elongated Man, played by Jeremy Piven, are immediately told that they are not going to be fighting this evil wizard. They are going to be doing crowd control. Crowd control. So Elongated Man is, um, he's a detective. His whole thing is he's a detective, and when whenever a yeah, mystery he's just would happen, makes him as good as uh, Batman. He's basically yeah, Batman. Yeah. When, whenever a mystery would happen around him, his nose would wiggle in the comics, and he'd be like, what, "I like smell he's from, a mystery." Like he's in Bewitched. What is this? Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, his powers aren't permanently there. He has to drink a magic fruit juice that makes him all stretchy and elasticy like that. For some reason, he's called the Elongated Man. But he's also got one of the sweetest romances in DC Comics with a woman called Sue Dibney. Again, do not look into uh, into identity crisis because there is so much character assassination of these two characters as well in that. They are okay. a lovely couple. They love each other very much. They solve crimes. They became ghosts and kept on solving crimes. Uh, so they complain about their jobs. An elongated man says that he was once a vase for three days. And basically nobody gives him respect. And, uh, and... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Booster Gold says basically, like, we shouldn't complain about it, but Elongated Man says the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And just as he says this, Green Lantern comes and says, we need you at the front line. So now it's just Booster Gold doing crowd control by himself with skeets. And uh, thankfully, that's it. We do not need to hear from Jeremy Piven anymore in this episode. Yep. Uh, I am... <laughs> because it, as it turns <laughs> out... Sorry, go ahead. I, I was going to say, do you remember back in university when we used to make those Sandra O oh jokes as if they were Chuck Norris jokes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we, we had one, unfortunately, far before we knew about Jeremy Piven. We said uh, Sandra O oh and Jeremy Piven had a baby that was so powerful they had to rocket it in a, uh, away from the earth in order to keep us all safe. Yeah, Jeremy Piven seems like more and more uh, playing an asshole was not something that he was talented at as an actor. Yeah, real unfortunate. We're sorry, Sandra O, oh, for including you in a joke with Jeremy Piven. Uh, because doing crowd control, it turns out Skeets can just project himself into a little, an adorable little traffic light, <laughs> and the terrified rampaging citizens will just stop uh, briefly until it turns out they're going to completely ignore him and keep on rampaging. Uh, this is my favorite part where uh, <laughs> there's a loud crash, and this is why I thought that this was all going to be explained in a different episode, because Superman crash <laughs> no. lands, and Booster Gold says, oh my god, are you okay? 
Superman turns around. He's like Two-Face. He's split in half. <laughs> half is Batman, half is Superman. And then he says in Wonder Woman's voice, I'm fine, and flies away. <laughs> so this is this is a reference to that Silver Age, what the fuck is happening kind of comic, in that there was a comic for World's Finest, and on the cover was half Batman, half Superman, called Composite Superman. And oh, really? uh, okay. it cro- Yeah, yeah, this is a callback to a singular issue of a comic that has no bearing whatsoever <laughs> upon anything. But it's just the sheer fact that the artists were like, yeah, fuck it, we'll throw in a Composite Superman for the goofs. Give him Wonder Woman's then voice small, while we're at it. <laughs> a small child runs up to uh, to Booster Gold and says, "Please, my ants—they're stuck in the building." And he points to like a high rise that's on fire. Booster Gold basically says, "Don't worry, citizen," and he flies up and he goes to this smoking apartment, going, "Ladies, you can come out now." Until he sees. Um, what would you call this? Like a, an ant farm, I guess. An ant farm in an it's, it's aquarium. It's an ant farm. It's, it's an ant Yes. <laughs> and he brings it down to the kid, and the kid goes, thanks, Green Lantern, and runs away. Oh, uh, he gets no respect, I tell ya. No respect. Yeah. <laughs> Booster Gold's tugging at his collar if he wasn't wearing a cowl that went all the way up to his ears. Uh... Um, and he complains to Skeets that, you know, basically giving directions would be better than this. It immediately cuts to him giving directions to an old lady when some sort of, the synopsis I'm working from calls this an earthquake, but I would say some sort of power blast cuts the earth in twain and there's cracks in the sidewalk and it, there's an explosion in a nearby building. There's um there's something that's bugging me that I can't quite remember what this is. There's some sort of story where somebody's like, "Oh my god, an explosion! Citizens are in danger. This is wonderful for me." And it's really bugging me that I can't remember what it is. Oh, I have no idea what's in reference to. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he goes to the building and he finds uh, a very pretty lady who is unconscious, and. Uh, and she is a scientist in a lab, and she says that there's a disaster coming because they were working on an alternate fuel source, and unfortunately, it got out of containment and is now wreaking havoc on the world and will destroy the entire universe. Great. What a good way to deal with things. Not only is there an evil wizard named Mordrew attacking Metropolis, but now Booster Gold has to stop a black hole from consuming everything. Yeah, I <laughs> I didn't realize it until now, but her colleague is called Dr. Brown, a.k.a. she's working with Doc Brown. God damn it. Uh, so Booster yeah, Gold and... There's, there's a Tracy. lot of really on-the-nose stuff. Yeah, they're trying to chase down Doc Brown, but the 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 black hole has basically embedded itself 
into Doc Brown's chest. So he looks like an ordinary man walking down a street, but like a lawn chair will get sucked up and fly into the vacuum of his chest, only to disappear into <laughs> what knows lies beyond the black hole, etc. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, Maximilian and uh, Roddy McDowell. They're all fine in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so he keeps trying to basically contain Doc Brown as this black hole gains in power, but there keeps being situations. This is this is the story of Booster Gold in the very bad, not good, terrible, awful day. <laughs> because yes. everything keeps getting worse. <laughs> you know, he, Doc Brown's walking down the sidewalk and he's just about to get him until... There's a woman in an ambulance about to give birth? Oh no, now he has to take care of this. It's so stupid. It's just every every conceivable thing. Like, at the very beginning of this whole incident, he calls up Martian Manhunter to ask, Hey, so I may have a universe-ending problem here. And Martian Manhunter is just like, I don't have time for your bullshit, Booster. We're beating up a wizard. Stick to yourself. And then he hangs up on him. And Booster has to feign being like, yes, of course I can handle this by myself. Uh-huh. No problem. Goodbye. <laughs> it's... But there's so, like this poor flock of birds who's flying away from the <laughs> galaxy ending battle on the other side of the city and they get sucked into the black hole. It's just problem after problem and no, and just not in a there there was an excellent tweet I saw the other day. Uh I can't remember who had written it. I'm going to try and find it while well, Okay. But it it was about storytelling. It's about how Go, go. You do your thing. I'm going to find this tweet. Okay. It's really good actually. Um one of my favorite bits in this episode is when he finds the woman in labor inside the ambulance. He asks Skeets what they should do for a uh, a pregnant woman and Skeets says that you should boil a lot of water and rip up old towels. And then he fails to have any knowledge beyond that, which makes me laugh so hard because that's how every old movie started. And I still don't know what you're supposed to do with the strips of towels. No idea. No idea. Oh, also, here it is. This it's... pregnant woman is very angry with, uh, with everyone around them. And Skeets gets sort of banished to pacing outside the ambulance. So the the tweet I saw was from Isa Lopez, uh, director mm -hmm. of Tigers Are Not Afraid. And it's more writing wisdom. Do not let chance favor your characters, ever. Your audience won't believe it. However, bad luck, they'll swallow it whole, even if improbable. That's true. And that's I think true. that's... Right? It's, it's, Booster Gold is just having all of the worst problems being thrown at him at once. A universe-ending catastrophe on top of being ignored, on top of having to help a woman give birth. There's a scene where Tracy almost gets sucked, the 
uh, Doc Brown goes down into the subway, and Tracy and Booster Gold almost get sucked in um, with him, and Booster Gold has to sort of, like, destroy the entrance to the subway to protect them. And I just, I feel sorry, too, for Doc Brown, because as the black hole in his stomach is swallowing things up, he's like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to do this. He's being so polite. This this black hole thing is also... It's very unusual in that there's no rhyme and reason as to why some things get sucked in some ways and other things don't. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at one point he's walking down the train tracks of the subway and a whole train just lifts off the tracks and goes into his tummy. But then there's Booster just walking around and various other things. Like, the whole subway platform isn't collapsing around itself to be sucked into him. So it's that, okay, narrative convenience thing. Exactly. Tracy does have a way to stop all of this. It's, uh... This is some kink shit again. Uh, It's to put a collar on Doc Brown (laughs) and then everything will just, you know settle down and be a little bit more subdued. Uh, Why are you kink shaming these scientists? What's wrong (laughs) with you, Sarah? I'm saying no kink at kink at pride is fine. No kink at world ending city (laughs) ripping apart battles. No, no no kink at apocalypse. Let's let's put it at that. There's there's our episode title. (laughs) No kink at apocalypse. Uh, so, you know, Booster keeps trying to put the collar on the guy and he can't do it. And finally he cracks and he rants to Tracy that he's not a real superhero. He didn't really come from the past to save the day. He came because he wanted fame and glory and to be rich and famous and it doesn't work. And he can't even do this right. Can't do anything right. But Tracy says, listen, you can do it. You're the only person who can do it. You're Booster Gold. Give it a try. And so he goes and he gives it a try. And uh, this is why I think animation's so cool, because he gets sucked uh, up to, like, his armpits in the black hole before he manages to close the collar around Doc Brown's neck. And then... (laughs) Of course, the black hole disappears. Booster Gold pops out. Doc Brown falls down to the sidewalk. Everything's fine. Tracy's soothing him. And then he goes, excuse me, and he burps. And it feel- it sounds like the most satisfying burp ever. Kudos to this voice actor. Because everything that he swallowed comes back out, including Skeets. Oh, we didn't even talk about the, the scene of... Uh, at one point, while they're chasing Doc Brown, Mordrew flies overhead on a giant dragon. He's now giant for some reason. Yeah, and all exactly. of the superheroes are trying to zap him. And he sends out like a magic lightning bolt, which one hero deflects. And it hits a building next to them. And the building comes alive and begins attacking Booster Gold and Tracy. So now he has to stop chasing down Doc Brown in order to stop an evil building from eating people. So again giant wizard on uh, trust me with Mordrew um in terms of his backstory 
the less I get into it, the better, because it involves Gemworld <laughs> and Princess Amethyst, who's like Gem and the Holograms, but what if she was also Dungeons and Dragons? Okay. <laughs> it's, it's fucking wild. I love, I love Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. She rides around on a flying unicorn. She's yeah, got I've a seen lot of Steven pink. Universe. <laughs> it's it is Steven Universe. How did you know? <laughs> Uh, the the day is in fact saved by Booster Gold. Tracy congratulates him, and Booster just walks off. And Skeet's like, "Hey, my readings say she down bad," but Booster says that kissing girls is for heroes. Hmm. Ooh. Boo hmm. Uh, he goes back to where he was supposed to be doing crowd control, only to get uh chastised. By Batman, basically saying, you had one job, and I can't rely on you to do that. And to add insult to injury, Elongated Man was the one who saved the day with Mordru. Don't know how. Doesn't matter how. Somehow, him being stretchy overcame the most evil magician ever. And the fact that they already had a plastic... They had plastic man. They had a stretchy guy. So it took two stretchy guys to do it. Well, everybody knows that magic is no use against stretch. <laughs> uh, that's why Stretch Armstrong is canonically the greatest uh, hero of all time. And uh, basically, Batman... Uh, ends this conversation with the implication that uh, Booster Gold is in big trouble now, even though Booster Gold has learned an important lesson. Da, 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 da. Uh, finally, someone comes up to Booster Gold again and says, Oh my god, Green Lantern, can I have your autograph? And he gets so mad, but oh no, it's Tracy, the pretty scientist. Oh. She wants to go out with him on a dinner date. That's basically the end of the episode. Uh, they sort of walk off into the sunset, and a long-gained man's like, Dude, how? And uh, he says, Squeaky wheel, buddy. Squeaky wheel. Booster Gold finally was a hero, and nobody was around to see it or believe him. And that's why it's the greatest story never told. Exactly. It's great. I, I really love this episode so much. <laughs> I I feel like after learning some more things about it, I appreciate this episode more. But I feel like I would have to go back and watch all of Justice League to, to truly get the punch that this episode is giving. I, I really encourage it because this show is just... It's so well done. It's firing on so many cylinders. It's just like we were able to get some of the greatest writers for comic books working together to put some incredible stories around. And it's not just like Superman flies out, punches the bad guy, the end, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's things involving, you know, what 
what are the choices that we have to make sometimes, right? Like they go to an alternate earth where they figure out that all of the people there, all the heroes and whatnot aren't actually alive. They're being kept alive by the imagination of a mutated child who is the last survivor of a nuclear Holocaust, but they have to, they have to defeat this kid who's in essence evil because he's keeping the average people of this world, the few remaining survivors trapped in hell. And it means the death of many people, even though they are imaginary constructs, right? It's, it's those ethical dilemmas of, well, we can't just let these people die. And it's like, well, they don't actually exist. So they, they do all kinds of, big scale storytelling you know they've got their punch em ups with here's superman against a foe that doesn't that's almost on his level or you know batman has to deal with this or wonder woman has to deal with family or john jones has to deal with uh the loss of his people again right wally west does some moves fast that's that's his thing (laughs) the flash just runs a bunch but later on the flash also learns about uh true sacrifice because he goes like in order to defeat a bad guy he has to run faster than he's ever run before and he basically dies he he evaporates into nothing because he moves so goddamn fast and it's this yeah that's why he got that one people's choice oscar for flash entering the speed zone yeah exactly so um, I, I want to finish this up with just a little rundown of famous voice talents that they've included in Justice League Unlimited. Mm-hmm. So people to look out for. Clancy Brown, who regularly voices Lex Luthor. Michael Rosenbaum. Oh, that's an interesting choice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's great. Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor on Smallville, voices the Flash in this show. Uh, CCH Pounder as Amanda Waller, you know, the Viola Davis character. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- regular appearances by Juliet Landau. Powers Booth, who often plays Gorilla Grodd. Mm-hmm. Gina Torres as Vixen, who's a supermodel slash superhero. Jeffrey Combs. Oh, they've just got multiple cast Firefly cast members in this. Oh, 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 it's going to get weirder. Jeffrey Combs, J.K. Simmons, Amy Acker, Dana Delaney, Marina Baccarin, Scott Patterson from Gilmore Girls, Adam Baldwin, mm-hmm. Oded Fair, John C. McGinley from Scrubs, Virginia Madsen, James Remar, Nathan Fillion, Ed Asner, Peter McNichol, Robert Picardo, Hector Elizondo, Michael Ironside, Daniel Day Kim, Mindy Sterling, Dennis Farina, Robert Forster, Fred Savage, Eric Roberts, Ron Perlman, Ian Graffod, Jerry O'Connell, Mark Hamill, Dakota Fanning, Michael York, Tom Everett Scott, Malcolm McDowell, Robert Englund, Ben Browder, Glenn Shaddix, Bud Court, the original Robin, Alexis Denisoff, Josh Hutcherson, Michael Dorn, Michael J. White, Christopher McDonald, Jason Bateman, Nestor Carbonell, Dick Miller, Ted Levine, Olivia Dabo, Cree Summer, Wayne Knight, Armin Shimmerman, David Ogden Steers, Lisa Edelstein, Melissa Joan Hart, Susan Sullivan, Tara Strong, and Cheryl Lee Ralph. It's so weird, too, because listening to these um, 
these voice performances, it doesn't feel like one of those awful um, movies where it feels like they just got as many names as they could put on the poster. These feel like voice performances. And yeah, they have like Kevin Conroy as Batman where you go, okay, this guy is like, he is the consummate voice actor. He, he knows he his is, inside and out. He is the Batman. Yeah. Um, but it, for the rest of it, it doesn't feel like, and on a very special episode, we got in a star, you know? Nope. In in fact, it's it's super subdued most of the time, not in a like. It, it's it's more so the fact that the star is there to do a job, to play a character, to to be part of this rich world, because they've had characters like this show up in, like character actors and famous people show up in Batman mm-hmm. the animated series and Superman the animated series. This is a long-standing tradition of. Yeah, we've had Roddy McDowell and, um, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, but the voice played Iago in Aladdin. Oh, uh, uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, Gilbert Gottfried. Right? We've had all of these famous people come onto these shows because that is the, the pedigree, that is the level that we are operating this show at, right? And it's never mm-hmm. announced, like, next week on a very special yeah, exactly. episode of Justice League, here's you know, Jason Bateman. It's just like, no, no, Jason Bateman just happens to be in the cast today. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's very, it's a very, it's a combination of a very old-fashioned approach to voice actor casting and a very modern approach, but not cashing in on it the way most modern animated films or whatever um, tend to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I would recommend all of this um, Bruce Tim animated uh, DC content, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, as well as Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, because they make a very comprehensive story that's told over the course of almost two decades. Yeah, I, I would be and most interested in starting with Batman, just because I've heard so many good things about it. Oh, yeah, then try try it out. There's all kinds of wonderful episodes. And I think, again, like there's, there's episodes that are very firmly designed f- for kids. Kids want to see cool superpowers and, mm-hmm. and Batman beating up bad guys. And then there's very much episodes for adults where it's like, oh, Batman is wrestling with his grief today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what kids love to watch? Dead Parents. It's true. Look, look at Spider-Man and Batman and Superman. And do you want me to keep going on the how many superheroes are orphans train? Uh, I can pick it up on the how many Disney characters are orphans train. Yeah, kids love orphans. Kids love dead parents. They crave dead parents. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a vitamin that they need. <laughs> like vitamin R. <laughs> 
It's like riboflavin, where they're like, you need riboflavin, and you're like, well, I've never heard of it in my goddamn life, but Frosted Flakes <laughs> says I need it. It's, you can find it in milk. <laughs> well, do we have anything yeah. else to say about Justice League Unlimited, with the caveat that you could talk about Justice League Unlimited for the next ten hours? Yeah, I, I could absolutely do it. Please go out, seek out your nearest Justice League Unlimited. Uh, and what I what I really enjoy about Unlimited specifically is because it is an anthology series and it does show so many different characters, you may get to an episode where you're like, who the fuck is the question? I need to know more about the question. And then guess what? There's all these comics about the question just waiting for you to read. The question is dope as fuck. Yeah, I get excited when I see the question because I've only known what it was because you dressed as the question for Halloween one year. Yay! And only one person got it. Thank you for joining us today on our exploration. No, wait, stop, stop, Sarah, stop. What? You harridan. Is the greatest story never told (gasps) camp? I'm going to say... No, it's comedy, but I don't think it's camp. How about you? I think that The Greatest Story Never Told is camp just because it is that Tom Stoppard's Justice League episode. There (laughs) is a world-ending catastrophe happening to all the rest of the characters, and the episode just goes, but you don't need to know a single thing about that. Look over here. Here's a himbo. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it is it is camp, but not in a queer way. I think it's it's a very like it's a very restrained kind of camp where you realize it's there's so much stuff going on in the world that every once in a while turning the camera to the left and saying, fuck that shit can also just lead to a really interesting dynamic. And to focus it on, like, one of the biggest losers in superhero comics, not in a Spider-Man's a loser kind of way, where everything bad constantly happens to him, but more in like a, you've really bought this upon yourself, haven't you, Booster, kind of way. <laughs> it's very much like the love and monsters of, uh, of Justice League Unlimited stories. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a blink, but without being scary. Yeah, exactly. I was avoiding the comparisons to Blink because, you know, people say, watch Blink, it breaks the formula, but it does it in a way that makes it one of the greatest episodes ever. And uh, people are very divided on Love and Monsters. It's not exactly watch this and you'll get what the whole show is about. Yeah, yeah, there there is a difference. I think... From what I understand of the fandom, the general consensus about this episode is that it is a well-loved episode. Uh, if it is, even, even though it is very unusual. <laughs> but that that makes Booster Gold being the star of it extra cool. He's just, <laughs> he's just so fun. He's great. Okay, I'm going to launch into the outro now. We ready? Now you, now you can do it. Now you can do it. Go! Thank you for joining us today on our exploration of the greatest story never told. 
Sorry, I can't get through it. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes, and next week we will be talking about Working Girl. Woohoo! This is a landmark 1998, not 1998, 1988 Mike Nichols film starring Dakota Johnson's mom. Uh, And it is sort of a Cinderella story, but I want you to come into this thinking of it as an anti-Cinderella story. This is the story about a woman who comes from Staten Island to Manhattan, has a beautiful transformation, and stops being camp as hell. Oh, no. Oh, no. But it's also got Joan Cusack in it, from what I understand. It's got Joan Cusack um, in one of her two... Oscar-nominated roles, uh, which we as a society have failed, but those are the only two that she's been nominated for. Um, It has a very young Alec Baldwin, (laughs) where the first time I watched this, he's so skinny. Hearing that voice coming out of him, I just couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't focus on him at all. Oh, God. Uh, It has probably peacot Harrison Ford, and the villain is Sigourney Weaver. You can't get better than that. Big hair, Aquanet, giant shoulder pads. I'm sure, does it have an aerobicize part to it? Like some woman doing aerobics or trying to get her steps in between clients or something? Because I feel like this is a movie that would very much do that. That is, in a small way, the inciting incident of the plot. Yeah! Yeah, I knew it! That's great. That's I love this. I already love this movie. Yeah. It's about how a woman uh, learns to shed her working class background and become a, <laughs> uh, a, a yuppie. A Manhattan yuppie. And we weep for the, for the goyle we lost. And also it has Harrison Ford drinking a very fruity drink. So, you know, what more could you need? I love a fruity drink. I am a girl drink drunk. You are a girl girl drink drunk. drunk. Uh, I love a girl drink. Give me a little umbrella, a little fruit. Give me a little fruit, period. (laughs) And have the drink on the side. (laughs) But... Until that point, you, our audience, our campers, can continue the discussion of Booster Gold with me specifically. Sarah doesn't know what (laughs) anyone's talking about. Uh, On our Twitter and our Instagram, I am at Indigo, all one word, R-H-Y-S, spelled the Welsh way. And I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Bye! Thank you, Booster Gold. Hey, you got it right. What's your thing? Like it. Not too cam. No, not the way you do it.